identity and the best being yet to come. Just want to you guys to uh, to listen to this for a real quick sec um, in terms of I don't know if anyone can uh, can you hear this? You hear this? Yes, Robert. Give me the sun. I'll give you the moonlight. Love will set us free. If we just believe the best is yet to come. So anybody who knows me knows that my favorite music is jazz. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And how do we know this? Well, scripture tells us. Remember the other day I was talking about um, not identifying with the big book or anything like that, flags and all of that. And I'm going to show you why in scripture. So 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old thing passed away. Behold, new things have come. So this is why I was saying, talking about the not identifying with the big book. You know why? Because that's identifying with your past. We are as new creations to identify with our future. There's a big difference there, a big difference. So in other words, what I'm saying is you are identifying with somewhere you haven't been before. Not with where you've been before, somewhere you haven't been before. Do you know identification too much with the past has been responsible for people being buried there with their past? You know, the Bible says that dogs go back to their own vomit, and they do, really. I went to Bible college with a guy whose roommate committed suicide. This guy, this guy was um, the roommate uh, who didn't commit suicide, was a, uh, a former drug addict. And he broke, he broke down on stage. He was saying, oh, he tried to talk to me. I, you know, I wasn't there for him. He was trying to tell me about his struggles. Kind of, it was survivor's guilt. He blamed himself. The last I heard about this guy was he dropped out of Bible college, went back to drugs, and last I heard about him, someone saw him at the Cranston Rescue Mission, which is a homeless shelter, right? Really? So it's not good to identify with your past. It's good to identify 
with the future. All things have passed away. So you don't even, here's what Christ is actually saying. Christ has given you a new nature. Do you know how God sees you? God doesn't see you as this old sinner saved by grace. God sees us all as the righteousness of Christ, as the righteousness of Christ. So it makes it so silly to say I'm identifying with my past, right? No, you've been there, you've passed through your past, now you're on the way to a better destination. I am not uh, a guy who tried to commit suicide. I am a guy now who has embraced the life that God has got for me. We are new creations. And you know why we can actually say we are new creations? Is because the past, when you were sinning, you were sinning in the flesh. How are you a new creation now? In the spirit. In the spirit. We were made alive with Christ. Right? So we are alive now by the spirit so you cannot identify with your past anyway because you are a new creation you are a different species you are very very different i mean i know all of the mess i used to do in the past i mean i have no desire for those things. And this has got nothing to do with behavior modification. Well, Robert, you must have behaved your way out of them. No, no. I was given a new spirit like all of you. And that new spirit enabled me to identify with new behaviors that I hadn't been to before. It's kind of like uh, Star Trek going to, you know, these frontiers where no man has been before. I hadn't been there before. You guys hadn't been there before. So, yeah, if you want to get technical, in the flesh, you were former drug addicts, alcoholics, whatever, uh, food addicts, but in the spirit, you are none of those things. It's very, very important because if we identify with old patterns of behavior, it's very, very easy to find ourselves back there. Very, very easy to find ourselves back there. We've all heard, we've all heard of people, oh yeah, I used to smoke uh, for years. Yeah, I was a big time smoker. Uh, uh, a big time drinker, yeah, big time food addict. Well, here's what you have to say. That person is dead now. Notice, I mean, do you notice when the apostle Paul was saved, right? He was given a different name. Well, when the apostle Paul was saved, he wasn't even called the apostle Paul. He was called Saul of Tarsus. Notice he was given a different name. So names in the Bible 
are indicative of character. And so just even without knowing, well, what does Saul mean? What does Paul mean? You don't even need to know that just the fact that there's a change from Saul to Paul is indicative that there's a change of character. This man is now no longer a murderer. Right? He's no, because when anybody, you think about it, when anybody thinks of the Apostle Paul, the last thing you think of is a murderer. In fact, actually, the Apostle Paul, to all historians, even secular historians, say he is the most impactful man in Western civilization after Jesus Christ. Notice I said Western civilization, so not Eastern, but Western civilization, the most impactful man after Jesus Christ. You can go to most cities or towns and you'll see a St. Paul's Hospital or St. Paul's Cathedral or St. Paul's this or St. Paul's that. We know that. St. Paul's Way. This guy is humongous. He is huge, a former murderer, because he is not that anymore. Remember, anymore. Remember Rahab the harlot? You know, I want you guys to go through Matthew, the genealogy. And in fact, somebody uh, contacted me and they actually said that they found the names of their kids in that Matthew genealogy, they knew that they were biblical names, they just didn't know where they were. Well, in the genealogy, right, of Matthew, see Rahab the harlot, you know what it says? Rahab, no harlot, just Rahab. Because Rahab is in the heritage line of Jesus Christ, a harlot. Oh, we say a harlot, but a harlot according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. How can David, right, a guy who's considered a man after God's own heart. Now, lots of people have committed adultery, and I don't condone it, but I'm going to say adultery is kind of like a garden variety sin, right? It's no big deal, but most people have not committed adultery and then have actually had the husband of the wife that they've committed adultery with murdered now you start talking about that's kind of that's definitely not garden variety that's a rare form of despicable sin yet this man is a man after god's own heart you wonder how does god deal with this because most people have not done that. But once again, God doesn't identify people according to the flesh. This is why he said, if Hitler called upon the Lord at death, because the Bible says, Acts 4 verse 12, anyone who calls upon the Lord, doesn't say anyone except if you've done, no, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. So if you did, the thief on the cross, remember the thief on the cross, right? He even admitted to the other thief, we've deserved to be crucified. 
This guy was not pleading innocent, but what did he say? He recognized that there was mercy in Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, well, get off this cross and do some good deeds. No, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this for everybody who has been told by parents, you are a loser. You are this, you are the negative. Well, God, the creator of the universe, has erased all of that. It's important. And why is it important? Because the knowledge of that will change how you behave. It will change how you behave. If I, if I went to a prostitute on the street and actually set, told this prostitute, hey, listen, do you know we've done some research and you are in the lineage of the royal family? Do you know that? I guarantee you that knowledge would change how that prostitute behaves, how that prostitute acts. That prostitute is acting like a prostitute because of what she believes. So remember, Rahab, the harlot, that harlot thing is taken off now. It's just Rahab, right? It is just Rahab. Saul of Tarsus, the murderer, no longer a murderer. Peter, the denier. And I mean, that was a blatant denial. It's not like he denied having, uh, that he met, uh, he met Jesus in the market somewhere and had a conversation with him. This is someone who essentially lived with Jesus for three years right? His entire public ministry. So this was not any kind of a subtle denial, right? This was a blatant denial. But what did God do with it? Nothing. God did nothing with it. God didn't hold it against him. And so you have to understand, if you are beating yourself up, am I beating myself up? because of what God has said to me or because of what people have said to me? Well, if it's because of what God said, well, you know what? Stop it. Because God never, ever, ever beats anybody up. There's no practical purpose in that for God. There is no practical purpose in God bringing guilt. God doesn't do guilt. God does conviction. And conviction is something that turns behavior around. Guilt is just something that just beats you up and just makes you feel bad for nothing. That is an emotion from the world. So if you still have those thoughts of beating yourself up, well, I'm that person that my mom and dad told me I was worthless. Wipe all of that out because your mom and dad do not have the final say. You've got to remember, all of our parents, they were deceived. Who are we going to listen to? God or our deceived parents? Really? And if you think about it, think about it. Those of you guys have been on the AA circuit, you've heard a lot of stories. 
you have heard more parents responsible for making more alcoholics than anybody. Think about that. Think about that. And not because they intentionally did it, they didn't know any better. And in fact, in many cases, some parents actually thought they were actually helping their kids. Really, they actually thought they were, but all of that stuff now, you have to take away all of that identification. Jesus did. Look what Jesus said when they said, Jesus, your, your, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. He said, these are my mother, my brothers. Jesus identified with the Father's will. He never, in fact, is there anything where Jesus actually said, oh, my mother's over there. No, his mother did say, oh, do whatever he tells you to do, right? In John 2, that's when he turned water into wine. But his mother, his mother was never the identifier with Jesus. It was his father, the heavenly father. My will is doing, uh, my, my food is doing the will of him who sent me. You know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, Jesus acknowledged all of that. But when they said his mother is brought, because according to the flesh was not Jesus's identification. It was not. It was his identification according to the spirit, son of God, son of God. Yeah, people did identify him as well as according to the flesh, son of David, have mercy on me. That son, that is coming via the lineage of, of David. But Jesus, what did Jesus call himself? The son of man. But that saying, Gonna get not gonna get into that now, but that's that's a whole uh, eschatological term to do to do with the, the last times that the Son of Man will come and essentially for his bride and will be caught away, will be will be raptured. So that's more of a of a theological uh, function functional term. But in terms of how Jesus saw himself, it was as the son of God, so that you know the son of man has the power to forgive sins, pick up your God, your bed and walk, right? So you know that I have the power to heal because anybody can say your sins are forgiven you, but really you have got to have the gravitas to be able to say, pick up your bed and walk, which Jesus showed that he did. So all of his identification was heavenly. It wasn't earthly. You know, when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, that is so that you will have heavenly, heavenly identification. In this world, you'll have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Unless your righteousness overcomes is more than that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of God. This is what he wants us 
to identify with. So here's what you have to do. You have to totally sever that connection to the past, regardless of what parents have said, regardless, and I know the parents have done a lot of damage, but regardless of all of that now, you have to let it go. You already know where you've been in the past. God doesn't want you going back there. God wants you going towards the future. You identify with what's to come, not with what's back there. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising all shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of God. There is nothing back, nothing back there that Jesus identifies with. It's all forward. You all know what you've had back there. And as I played on this song, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So you've got to sever that. When any of those intrusive thoughts come from the past, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm forward. I am going that way. I am forward, not going back, not going back. I am going forwards, right? Onward, Christian soldiers, not going back, going forward. Look at the Apostle Paul, where he says, right? I mean, I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the time of my departure is at hand, like this guy is about to catch a plane to go to heaven. I mean, he's so casual about it because he's always seen this time as inevitable. It's never inevitable going back. But here's what you do when you focus on the past. You know what you do? You create this internal tension with inside of you. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, do I or don't I? Do I? I don't. Should I go or should I stay? Not that song. Should I go or should I stay now? Right? No. <laughs> you should. You should be going. Forget about staying. You are not staying here. That is over. Sever that tie. You sever that. That has been buried. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. See, here's what's happened as well with a lot of people in the church. And I say church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, no change. It's because nobody has taught them to identify with what's to come. People, what do people have a tendency to do? Identify with what they know. People have a tendency to identify with what they know, even if what they know is bad. Even if what they know is bad. Don't we have a saying, the devil you know? Don't we have that saying, right? The devil you know is better than the one you don't know. Not true. <laughs> Not true. That's a lie, a big, 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 big whopper from the world. You're not going to know any devil. The God you know, the God you know 
is better than the devil that you used to know. That's what the correct statement is. Is better than the devil that you used to know and that know and that knew you so well. But now he doesn't know you, right? He does not know you because you've been born again and you are going to behave not with uh, uh, being consistent to the flesh, but now being consistent to this new spirit. And it could have been that you were saved 20 or 30 years, but are only getting this knowledge now. It doesn't matter. It's still a new life. It doesn't matter. It, it's still a new life. That life is always there waiting for us to live it. 